back to another episode of Making It. My name is Mirabelle, I'm your host, and on today's episode, we have one half of Us the Duo. We have Michael Alvarado with us today, and Us the Duo, if you don't know, they are a musical duo, Michael and Carissa Alvarado. They are kind of like folk pop vibes. I don't really know what genre they fall under, but that's kind of it. As I mentioned in the intro to Marie's episode, episode two, by the way, if you haven't listened, you should go check that out. I've been following Marie since like the OG YouTube days and the same actually applies to this episode. Um, I've been following Us The Duo also since the OG YouTube days. They kind of started around that era as well and they got really popular through Vine, through YouTube, and then unfortunately Vine kind of died along the way. Um, but I'd say that they they were continuing their success and they signed to a major record label and now they are independent. They actually have their own label. Uh, Restonia is a marketing agency that Michael started and we get into that about how that kind of started, how that formed, and their journey along the way. We also talked about balance, balancing your hobbies, your passion, your career. We called it the triangle of balance and it's really interesting stuff. We talked about this a while ago, and I thought we should bring that back. I'm also, like, always super interested about people's personalities and introversion, extroversion, so I I bring that up again in this episode. I had a great time during the call, after the call, and then actually going through the edit, I realized as making some new discoveries along the way. I just think that Mike and I are kind of similar in terms of mindset, drive, like, that kind of thing. So it was really, it was really cool to be able to chat with him about all of that. Um, honestly, I say this near the beginning, but honestly, I might not have started this podcast if Michael didn't say yes, because he's the very first person that I asked to be on the podcast. And I'm so grateful that he said yes, because this podcast has been amazing. I've been connecting with so many people and I'm always so inspired by the people that I have on the podcast. It's just, it's a really good time, and I hope that you are enjoying the show as well. Be sure to stick around to the very, very end of the episode because he shares a joke that his three-year-old daughter, Zyla, said to him one night, and it's the most adorable thing. <laughs> it's so cute. I hope you enjoy the episode. As always, rate and review the podcast if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever. And if you want a video version of it and to see our faces, it's on YouTube. And I guess finally, again, if you want to join Patreon, you can be the first to know who's coming on the podcast and you can ask them your questions. I've also been putting out a lot of new music on there. So if you want a sneak peek or behind the scenes on some of my music projects, you can join Patreon. Okay, I think that's it. I think that's all the plugs. Plug, plug, plug. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. How's it going? We kind of it's going great. Talked about this. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you for having me on your new podcast. Yeah, thank you for being for saying yes. Because I don't think if you said no, I probably would not have started doing this podcast. Oh, honestly. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. It is an honor. I have always respected your musicality and knowledge, so I'm sure you'll have some excellent questions, and I'm happy <laughs> to be a part of it. Thank you. Yeah, well, you are part of us, the duo, you and Carissa, and you guys mm -hmm. are a lovely married couple, and it's very cute, and 
couple goals. Um, <laughs> but can we just start from the beginning for a little bit and sure. briefly talk about how us the duo kind of formed and how that began? Yeah, I'll give you the short version. So Carissa and I were both individual musicians first before we met, and we were pursuing solo careers to an extent. I was working in a studio and she was kind of more on the acting and dancing side in Los Angeles. And I road tripped to Los Angeles with my college roommate who wanted to be an actor. Uh, and it was about a 5,000 mile trek from North Carolina to Cali. And I decided to go with them for the adventure just as a vacation. And we randomly collided while I was there. And, uh, yeah, it was, for me, it was love at first sight. Um, Carissa was dating somebody at the time, so I knew it was going to take a little bit longer for that to pan out, but I respected that time. And yeah, so we just basically fell in love over social media since I live so far away. And we never really talked about music much. We just got to know each other first. Um, and then eventually uh, I moved to LA to ask her to be my girlfriend and we started dating officially. And then at that point we sang our first song together. And it was more of just like her and I chilling around a piano, like something to do on an afternoon. But when our voices blended and we sang harmony, there was something unique about it. And her and I both had that look in our eye, like that seems unique and special. Maybe we should keep exploring that. Um, and so we continued to date and then we got engaged. And at that point we started playing shows and put some videos up on YouTube and this was kind of back, I mean, this was over 10 years ago. So it was, I'd like to call it like the YouTube golden era for up and coming musicians. Um, There's kind of a big crew of them and we all supported each other. And it was really fun to play shows together, but also share each other's videos. Um, and that helped us get started uh, and just get our name out there. And then at some point, um, we funded an album through Kickstarter and that's when we realized this could actually be a lucrative career because it was a decent chunk of money. I produced it cause I didn't know anybody else to do it. And, um, I actually used some of that money to buy the studio equipment and we made a, our self-titled record called us because back in the day it was just us, not us, the duo. And, um, have you heard of us.com was our, was our, uh, <laughs> website. And then from there, uh, we built some traction, started touring officially, and then um, we got on that app Vine, six-second uh, videos, and that was really where we saw a larger audience come to our music. And our screen name on Vine had to be us, the duo, I think, because like at US was too short for their guidelines. So we we're just like, oh, let's make it us, the duo. And because... Um, so many followers came from that. They just started naturally calling us the duo. So that's when we changed our name to us, the duo. And from there we signed our first record label, which signed to our first record label. Uh, and that happened because the A&R there did see a viral vine and they liked the song and wanted to scoop up the whole record and ink a deal and then remaster and remix and remaster that record. So from there we, started touring a lot. We had bigger budgets and started playing um, live television shows and working with other artists and producers and collaborating. And 
it was a really crazy time of life, especially on a relationship, because at the end of the day, we're still a married couple and our love will always be first and our relationship will always be first. Um, and I think that's true to how we actually started the group. We fell in love first, then we made music. Um, but there was somewhere in the middle where it got so busy that our relationship took uh, a second step. So we had to make a change. And in order to put our relationship first, we left the label and started our own. And cut to now, we've been just making music on our own, touring when we feel led to tour, and making social media videos to pass the time with our daughter. Um, and it's a really fun time of life. And it has brought about a lot of experience, but mostly just a lot of great memories. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That is a great backstory. <laughs> R.I.P. Vine. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Do you guys find that Vine and TikTok are somewhat similar in, in the way that you guys make the videos now? Definitely. I would say the type of clientele and the way it's consumed, the content is consumed is very similar to Vine. When we'll have a viral video on TikTok, the majority of the comments are like, oh, I remember you guys from Vine. <laughs> um, but that was like seven years ago. So yeah. um, it just shows that these are the same people watching TikTok that were watching Vine mm -hmm. that maybe didn't latch onto our other socials uh, in those years off. Uh, but yeah, very similar. Um, I think the, the app definitely skews towards comedy. So mm -hmm. that makes it really enjoyable to watch uh, and somehow mix music into all of that. So we haven't really tried to figure out TikTok. We just kind of like share content to there or hop on a trend every now and then for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but like Vine was something we woke up every day trying to create multiple videos and like we'd just be we were living vine. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that would be the biggest difference for us is like, we're just kind of on TikTok for fun, but not really like as a passionate career path. Yeah. What happened when vine just stopped? Did you guys, <laughs> <laughs> that was like, that's like your whole thing. Yeah. But I think we were okay because we used vine to get the record deal. Mm. So like literally the the headline in billboard.com was couple couple becomes the first artist to sign to a major label from an app called Vine. So the platform gave us the life that we always wanted and the record label was the big league. So they were able to take us from there. Um, so we didn't necessarily need the app when it died. So we weren't necessarily saddened by it. Mm. Um, but the biggest mistake we did make was not actively trying to transfer our Vine followers to other socials before it died. So that was uh, one thing some of the bigger creators on Vine did do. Like they spent months and months and months saying, hey, follow me on Instagram or like trying to push their followers to exclusive promos on Facebook or wherever else. So those followers would dis uh, disperse. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we never did that. So we had to kind of start from scratch on Facebook and Instagram after that. Oh, yeah. Did that take some time? Probably took mm -hmm. some time. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so the record label, obviously there are some pros and cons to being with a record label. Um, mm -hmm. Are you guys satisfied, happy with being independent right now? Yeah, definitely happy with the life we have. Um, I think the biggest pro in being your own label or signing to an indie is having full control of all of your moves. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there's really nobody above you telling you what you should put out or how you should do it. Uh, and I've always had a, a CEO mentality when it comes to music. So I kind of like having the control. Um, but for others who don't think about music as a business and think about it more as an emotion, um, record labels are key. Also at scale, like we weren't looking for like an extremely famous lifestyle. So I think it's okay to function in a comfortable life setting as an indie artist. Um, but if you're, if somebody is looking for like a really luxurious or famous lifestyle on a massive scale, typically record labels are one of the few ways to get there with the exception to people like Chance the Rapper, or Tyler, the creator who are indie and still have a massive career. Yeah. Yeah. I always kind of wondered like, cause you'd never really know what it would be like unless you go for it. So I kind mm. of wonder, <laughs> curious. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you hear a lot about, um, about signing with record labels and, you know, them taking over control of what you can and can't release and the kind of music that you make. And so mm -hmm. it might not be so genuine, but I guess, as you were saying, like if it, if the fame and if the popularity, I guess, is what you're going for, then, then that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like in order to, to get, you have to give up something. So mm -hmm. it depends on what you're really after. Um, for that ultimate popularity or fame, or obviously price tags at that level are much larger as well. You do have to give up your, a bit of your say, uh, as well as usually masters to your music, um, usually percentages of your touring and your copyright. So, uh, but if you're getting what you want in exchange, then it's all worth it. Hmm. Only that artist can define what happiness or success is to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's different for everybody, huh? Mm -hmm. You guys started Restonia, which is, I guess, a label. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So we had a record label that was placed temporarily while we got out of our label deal. Uh, and it was just called Alvarado Records, just something to like put on there quickly. And that was a catch-all for the first record we did right after we broke our contract. Um, and... At some point, I started a management company called Restonia, and that started to succeed uh, because a big part of why us, the duo, has been able to make music work independently is we get funding from the management company. And a lot of that comes from brands or sponsorships, which kind of plays into my expertise in particular. Um, and so we transferred us the duo over to Restonia, but needed like a label side of that. So it's called Restonia records. And basically we, we started it as a way to figure out how a record label could operate independently. And if we could transfer that model to other artists and still help them grow their career in a way that gives them more control than say uh, a popular major label. So us, the duo has gone through maybe like four, four releases through Estonia records. And it's been two years. It hasn't been that long. And I'm building a team surrounding it. So basically I tried it by myself or with Carissa and then I'm adding team members gradually and showing them how it works with us to do. And then eventually when we feel that we can scale and that the formation of the label is really solid, 
um, and the foundation of it, then we'll start to acquire other artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember um, you mentioned this on a Twitch stream, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and everybody yeah. in your chat was just like, can I can I intern for you? Like, I'll just bring <laughs> you coffee. I don't even have to do anything, really. I'll just I'll, I'll fly over there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really fun to to uh, involve a team. Mm -hmm. And so I just brought on we have about like seven members on the team. And because a record label just starting out really doesn't have that much income flow. It's only from like us to do a residuals. Um, we're trying to tap into the management side to be able to fund and bring on more artists. So we now have like five team members. Uh, and then Shane, who, you know, has become kind of like my right hand guy. Nice. Uh, so him and I are like starting, starting it very small in order to scale it larger. Um, mainly because I've started a lot of businesses and the only ones that succeed are the ones that like take a lot of time to get started. So they're done correctly. Mm -hmm. And I want this to be done right, especially if other artists are putting music in our hands. I don't want to be after a quick buck or not know what we're doing first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're just taking our time with it. But I'm hoping like middle 2022, uh, our goal is to have two new artists on the roster by then. Nice. That's awesome. Is this going to be a kind of local thing or are you expanding this to be kind of international? Or anything? No region in particular. Um, I do think we have more of an understanding of the social media market more so than specific region. But I think it's more about like any artist who's in the middle of not wanting the responsibility of being their own label, but not wanting to give up full control of a major. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty cool. And having a small, intimate team to work with. Yeah. Do you think that you'll like keep keep it a small intimate team or <laughs> Definitely. My vision is never to have has never been to have more than 12 employees on salary. So hmm. um I always like a maximum of 1 to 1 from employee to artist. I'm also cool with like 2 to 1 employee to artist cuz not everybody has all the same expertise. So I can't expect the one guy who's on that artist or the one gal who's on the artist to know everything how to mm -hmm. do it. So like, for instance, right now, if we have seven team members, I wouldn't bring on any more than three artists just to be safe and make sure we can give them the attention that they deserve. Nice. We spoke about this uh, triangle of balance, right? <laughs> for, mm -hmm. um, how are you, have you had any more shifts in that? So like, Maybe maybe recap what this triangle of balances. <laughs> yes, I'm actually scrolling up in our messages to remember. <laughs> See what this. you said. <laughs> yeah, so a triangle of balance: one point being full time job, one point being passive income, and one point being investment. So, as I was telling you in the past, music used to be my entire triangle, um, and. I found that uh, it drained me of all the energy that I had because it was so intensive. Uh, and as I mentioned to you, we had like 20 people on staff who were either part of the label or the agency or the business management or management. There were so many people involved um, that eventually I just lost control. So I lost my love for music. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but... I grew up really dependent on music to help me through emotional times. 
100 percent. so yeah like whenever i was sad or lonely or even when i was really happier and inspired i always naturally ran up to my attic full of instruments and recording stuff and i just like sat there and made music or i used to love watching music dvds or videos on youtube of just people playing live Mm -hmm. Um, and all that stuff would just excite me and when my triangle was completely filled with music as the full-time gig i found myself waking up every morning not having that same excitement of walking up the stairs to my attic with the instruments and just creating because there were so many logistics so many people to worry about um and also music is a brand so you have to look a certain way you have to be groomed you have to have like um the perfect outfit already set, which includes a stylist, or I have to like do blocking techniques on how I should talk in an interview or walk on this stage. And I'm like, I, none of this is me like sitting in my attic playing music, which is what I really love to do. Uh, so, and I know a lot of touring musicians will touch on this too, but typically you'll have to drive or fly 10 to 12 hours worth of time to make it to a venue and you're on stage for 30 to 60 minutes. So like, it's such a weird return on your investment of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to really, really, really love music or be totally involved in that for that to still be happy. Um, But yeah, I think um, back to the, to the, uh, to the triangle out of the three points, I was able to just shift away my full-time job to the marketing agency that I started, Restonia, as you mentioned earlier. And that way, music can just be passive income and remain as a hobby. So I can wake up every day and not have to put on this business CEO hat of my music. Um, and thus, I get to keep that little kid in the attic playing music joy about mu- uh, for music and creation because it's only passive income. I don't need it to survive uh, and it keeps it really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people talk about when their passion turns into their career and it just kind of kills that passion. So Mm -hmm. it seems like a really hard balance. There's a new line in the Billie Eilish song. I forget exactly how she says it, but it's on her new record and she talks about it. Uh, And Carissa, she's like, you're going to love this song. Listen to it. And she's, she's saying like, I used to make music for fun and now it's just work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Think about it, even at the top, one of the most popular artists in the world is still talking about that in her mainstream songs and using it as a way to cope through those feelings. Yeah. Aside from splitting up these um, income streams, then I guess, mm-hmm. how else do you kind of just just chill and <laughs> not be so involved in the music side as a business sort of thing? What do you do for fun otherwise? <laughs> yeah, I'd say I try to allot my time to where whatever I'm doing is intentional. So if I'm meant to relax, I'll just, it doesn't always have to be in the calendar, but I'll be like, from this hour to this hour, I'm literally just going to sit on the couch and watch a movie or a TV show. Um, Or from this hour to this hour, I'm going to play with my daughter, but passionately, passively have the ukulele next to her so I can kind of play it while we're playing together. Um, And that way I'm still thinking about chords and scales and like maybe writing something, but I'm still available and alert to play with my daughter at the same time. She doesn't mind hearing the ukulele. That's cute. Um, And then other times 
it'll just be like, Hey, this Saturday it's devoted to family. I'm not going to check my emails. And then we have a great time because my, my attention is all there. Um, and then same for music creation, like in my little home studio that I have, if I block out an hour to three hours and say, this is my time. And I communicate that to my family or to my friends or whoever else to say like, Hey, I'm making music in this time. Um, then I know when I get in there, there's nothing that can possibly distract me or hold me back to being fully present and excited through that music. Cause it, it's time I carved out and is meant for that. Um, so that has really helped me stay passionate about everything I do in life. Yeah. Uh, DJ actually had a question of how often do you play, sing or play instruments just for yourself? <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that kind of answers that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I found I'm most likely to pick up an instrument when they're scattered around the house. Cause I'm so, my energy is usually like antsy. Mm. Like I always need to be doing something or I'm like shifting. I have a really hard time just sitting down and chilling. So if I have ukuleles or um, like a little mini keyboard or a guitar set up around the house, then I'll just go over and grab that when I feel that kind of like anxious energy and I get it out that way. And that happens more often than I realize. Um, like I'd say just in the last week, I've probably played ukulele in particular for 30 minutes to 60 minutes a day. Nice. Just playing and having fun, but not because I had it a lot allotted in a time bank, but just because it was there and I wanted something to do. Yeah, that's fun. I haven't... When things get really busy, I tend to just, you know, I forget that I want to just play guitar. And then if I do pick up a guitar, like an hour will just fly by. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Isn't it weird how that works? Yeah. I, I imagine, especially because you're a multi-instrumentalist, like every every instrument is its own little unique code. Like yeah. you just start playing it and they're all different and fun in themselves. Exactly. That when you sit down, you just get lost until exactly. you're not. Yeah. Until your fingers start to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? I'm curious because mm -hmm. you play so many fun instruments. What is the one instrument that you could play the longest period of time without, without like noticing you're playing? Probably piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it hurts less, but <laughs> like piano or guitar, probably um, with piano, I'd say, or like with guitar, it tends to turn into singing and songwriting. Oh, yeah. yeah, I gravitate more towards guitar for singing and songwriting. But then with piano, it's usually just it just stays instrumental most of the time. So mm. that kind of just goes on forever. <laughs> I'm interested in that then. So would you say that you started playing piano first before guitar? Yeah, I did. I started piano, like learning my instruments. I started on piano and then uh, my mom plays the Chinese zither, the guzhen. And so yeah. taught us that growing up as well. Um, and then like middle school time, I picked up guitar, taught myself. And I also picked up the flute and then Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So piano has so been around for a while. Yeah. I've had a, I had a similar story where I was started with piano and then picked up the guitar like late middle school. Mm. And when I write music, I typically write it on the guitar. 
Yeah. I don't know why that is. I well, for me, I think just because guitar, you could just well, actually, on piano, you just play chords too. But I don't know on guitar, piano, I guess you have the ability to do chords and a melody, and then but guitar, you're kind of just limited to playing chords at once, <laughs> and so you're singing the melody, Maybe, right? I don't know. That's exactly it. I would agree <laughs> with you. Like the guitar is a little bit more limiting on possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with songwriting, maybe, yeah, it's best to leave that whole space where the melody would live to be open. But like piano, I sit down and there's just 88 keys and so many <laughs> different combos and chords. Like, yeah, I don't even know where to begin with writing. I know. I think the only yeah. times that I've written songs from piano is uh, like, well, the melody already came from the piano. And so mm. and then I just add lyrics. But then. But yeah, as we're saying, like the melody comes from my voice when I'm writing on guitar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's so rare to be able to play a melody with chords on a guitar. Like those are usually (laughs) just like the virtuosos at that point. Yeah, it's pretty hard. (laughs) How did you start uh, guitar? I want to say through church. I grew up going to church and there was like a praise band. Mm Mm-hmm like at the youth group and my buddy, it was one of my best friends growing up. His name was Luther and uh, he had a guitar and he brought it over to my house and I heard him playing this open E chord to the song, open the eyes of my heart. Lord was the name of it. And it was like, ding, 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 ding on the high end of the neck. And I was like, dude, that sounds awesome. How did you play that? Can you show me? And he showed me how to press my fingers on it and just play as this really full sounding open chord. And, you know, with all like the experience of piano in the background, it was just something new and interesting. Mm -hmm. So I asked him, can I borrow your guitar and bring it back uh, next week uh, at youth group? And he was like, yeah, for sure. And (laughs) I came back and I like played it all week long um, based on these little charts. Cause back in the day there wasn't like, um, apps or like mm-hmm. internet and you could quickly search it. So I had like a book that had the chords in it and I came back to bring the guitar to him and he was like, Oh, did you end up learning the full song? I was like, yeah. And I learned a few others too. And he's like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> Play it. And I played it and his hands just went in his, his face and he was like, bro, I'm so pissed. How did you get better than me at the guitar in one <laughs> week? I hate you. And then he told me, you could just keep the guitar. He's like, I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> so I got to hold on to it for a while until I, um, until I eventually bought my own. Nice. Which is really fun. Yeah. I hope he didn't quit guitar or anything. <laughs> he definitely quit guitar. Oh my God. Did he actually? <laughs> yes. Oh no. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't because of me. I... <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I think you can relate to this though, like starting off piano, learning the basics of that helped making learn other instruments a lot easier. Would you say that's true for you? Yeah, hundred percent. And like knowing some basic theory too, that Mm. definitely helped. Uh, Yeah. Acknowledging chords and stuff. But I think that actually why guitar is so, is a constant, like what I gravitate towards when I just want to relax um Mm -hmm. because like doing music school it it becomes very academic (laughs) and like there was a point where I really hated the flute I was like this is 
you do weekly lessons and your your final exams are performing in front of like a panel of professors <laughs> so it gets to a point where i got i got burnt out um but guitar has always been there to for me to like unwind and i think that a part of that reason is because i don't i might not understand all of the theory of guitar like being self-taught and like you know i can play chords i can figure out notes but that takes a minute <laughs> so like yeah. there's a lot of unknown when i'm playing around and i'm just doing whatever sounds good <laughs> and so yeah totally the same way i don't understand a lot of how the guitar works because i was self-taught like you <laughs> so when i'm just noodling around i find myself exploring and discovering new ideas that i didn't know were possible mm -hmm. um and there's less boundaries or limits because I don't have exactly. a lot of knowledge of it. And yeah. that is almost freeing in itself. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, playing piano though definitely definitely helps. The skills transfer over to all the other instruments. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm glad arranging. I started with the piano. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because you you compose, you do scores. You have that I'd like to get into that more actually. And I know you and I were like Mm -hmm. joking around about that sometime collaborating on a score but i think that would be really fun let's do it i'm down <laughs> in particular i'm passionate about like movies so I, mm -hmm. I was even thinking about the other day like there's gotta be up-and-coming filmmakers who need music like that would be such a great way to try it out and see if it's fun yeah i think it's just i don't know how to get into that world quite yet <laughs> Me neither. Um, I know a couple of people who are who have done have scored films and stuff, but it's just like how <laughs> you got to find the people to make films for, and like how do you meet those people? Networking Definitely. connections. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd be really good at that, though. Just watching how you compose on stream and how you. Uh, how your mind works about composing and arranging. Oh, thanks. Um, like it's it's really thought provoking music too, and you really understand dynamics and swells just because of all the arrangements that you've done in the past, and all the all the fun movie scores that I listen to for you know like just in my AirPods on the weekends. That's all it is. It's just such dynamic music that mm -hmm. helps tell the story. So yeah, yeah you would thrive on that. Hopefully. <laughs> Maybe somebody listening to this podcast right now, if you're a uh, somebody who's in that world, hit up Mirabelle. <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You did I, a, a video game, right, recently? Uh, well, I'm working on one, and I did I did finish one uh, last semester. It was the last semester of my uh, master's. So that one that I finished is called The Day the Sky Fell, and that is online. You can play that online. Uh, it was like a lo-fi sort of thing. <laughs> and the one I'm working on now is, it's like an exploratory first-person view sort of world. Um, it surrounds like mental health topics. Um, sure. And I think music is a big part of that game, which is really exciting because you go around finding these little characters that are called musicians and they play music to lift rocks and they have magical abilities, and it's really exciting. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the How have team... you found that 
I was going to ask you how, how have you found that experience, like uh, creating the music? Has it been rewarding, challenging, fun? Oh, it's been so fun. <laughs> and it's not super challenging, I think, yet. So the team is like, I met everybody through Twitch. That's how the team is formed. And everybody is kind of scattered around the world. We've got people in in Germany and France and I'm in Canada and you got people in the States as well. Um, sure. Yeah. Hebu is, um, 42 Hebu is his Twitch handle and that's what he goes by. So Hebu is not so well versed in music. And so he kind of is like giving me all the creative control right now. And he's just kind of saying the sort of vibe that he wants. And then I just make something from that and see if he likes it, see if it fits. And sometimes also like I've just created stuff without, without anybody saying what they want. Um, and so, and so like he took, that gave him new ideas for how the plot will be, which is really exciting. (laughs) So he's shifting the storyline to some random new creations that you make. Yeah. A little bit. That's cool. Yeah. So it's his, the art that we get from our artist and his storyline inspires my music, but then my music can also inspire the art and the (laughs) storyline. It's really fun. That's true collaboration right there. Yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah, so for t- Twitch, like you you got started on Twitch this past, it's been a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How's that been? Twitch is a really interesting place. Uh, I initially signed up because my a few close buddies of mine were playing Fortnite and F1 racing. And it just looked really cool to see ordinary guys that I had known for a couple of years all of a sudden have people in their chat interacting with them around the world. It was just a cool experience. And I've always loved video games since I was a kid. So I asked them, how do you get started? And they sent me all the tech specs and kind of helped me troubleshoot it um, and get started. And I didn't really know what the vision for the stream was at first, but I knew I just wanted to play music in the middle of a pandemic when I wasn't able to connect with anybody. So us, the duo had a full North American tour and we were working on Southeast Asia as well. Um, right before the pandemic hit and the lockdown started. So usually that as an introvert, that usually, you know, wears (laughs) me out by the end of that and I'm good. But Mm -hmm. when it got, when the lockdown happened, we rescheduled, um, and I was cool with having a few months of not talking to anybody and just creating music in my studio by myself. But then we had to reschedule a second time, which ended up just being canceled uh, for the sake of the venues and the logistics. And I just didn't see any way to connect with people in the near future. And I was starving for that connection that we'd normally get out on the road. So that was the why of twitching for me, Uh, Twitch streaming. And so twitching, (laughs) I mean, probably by all the coffee I drank on those Twitch streams, yeah, I was twitching for sure. Um, But yeah, so that was the big reason behind it was just to connect with other people online. Mm -hmm. And so I started it and it was really, really fun. Twitch is such a fun, interactive community, just based on how you can converse with others, how you can spend your money and gift other people, um, how you can raid people. I thought that's like my favorite feature of Twitch is 
rating people, starting new relationships and connection, and just spreading good positivity. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I think about six months into it, so I did it pretty consistently for about five to six months. Uh, I noticed it was taking over more time than I had initially set out to do. So it was meant to live in that corner of the triangle that was just hobby passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was putting in upwards of 30 hours a week. So at that point, it's starting to creep into the full-time job position. Mm-hmm. And so I talked with, I had a really small team at the time at my marketing agency. And I was like, you know, this is gaining traction. I think it's worth exploring putting Twitch in the full-time category for myself because I, I don't need the money right now. I can try to make that switch and see how it goes. So I did the transition um, and my team kind of took the, the forefront of the bulk at, uh, of the marketing agency and I just focused on Twitch. And I did it for about two months, really intensive. Uh, I know Mirabelle, you popped in a few of those streams, but mm-hmm. they were sometimes eight to 10 hours straight of yeah. just music production. And then after that, it would turn into editing and then mixing and then submission to the, um, to the DSPs and then marketing it online and cutting the videos and the album artwork. It was so intense but very rewarding and challenging as a producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would never regret it. But the return on investment of time and energy uh, in, in dollars was not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found in that two months of trying to think about Twitch as a full-time job is the platform generally caters itself to video gamers. Uh, and musicians are, it's like an, for how for how long Twitch has been around, I thought there might be more opportunity for musicians on the platform, but it really just caters to not just caters, but it caters more to video gamers. So I did everything I could to get involved in the I want to say 0.05% of Twitch streamers who are really making six figures mm-hmm. uh, based on their Twitch which is if I'm going to go full-time, that's what I'm after. And even just to infiltrate my way into those circles as a musician was incredibly hard. And it was harder than, than I had expected. And once I evaluated it, it just wasn't worth the time uh, that I was putting in. It wasn't equivalenting to dollars. So I eventually took a step back, shifted my marketing agent agency back to the full-time position shifted Twitch over to a um, kind of like a passive hobby. Uh, But then as passive hobby income, it's very, very minimal. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not putting in, as you know, like when you're not putting in as much attention into your community base or your streams, like people eventually just kind of dip off and stop subscribing. And it's hard to build that momentum back. Mm -hmm. Um, So eventually I just took time off uh, altogether. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So (laughs) I haven't streamed on Twitch in about two almost two months yeah Mm -hmm. but it has but but like i i definitely want to try it again but if if i did it it would only be for a game night specifically Mm. to connect with a community uh, because my favorite part about the whole journey was the people i met there yeah Um, and i have like a unique experience with every single username. I can just picture it in my head. And I genuinely miss those people. 
Mm-hmm. So if streaming on Twitch would just be to say what's up and have a reunion with them as much as possible. Yeah, I think you've really cultivated a really tight knit community and it's not a small community like it's there's a number of people in there we all we all miss you we all miss your streams <laughs> but yeah i miss you guys too i i i'm excited to get back and like me and shane right now are trying to figure out a structure that works as a hobbyist level mm-hmm. and what that looks like and i think consistency will be key so mm-hmm. eventually it'll probably just be once a week which is still a lot more than it is right now so i think that'll probably work out the best yeah shout out to the litty bitty committee (laughs) the lbc litty bitty committee (laughs) yeah absolutely you've done so much on twitch and like you i mean you started out doing these test streams before getting affiliated and you were Mm -hmm. writing random songs that were (laughs) suggestions from the chat which is really fun and then that transitioned into actually like full-on songs that you would put on soundcloud and that people could listen to there and then you guys you turn into like producing us the duo songs that would go on spotify (laughs) and there's just so much i feel like experimental stuff that went into it but also it seems to make sense from where you started it's really cool yeah it was a lot of work you your streams went to like 2 3 a.m sometimes and that's the dedication is insane yeah curso would always like I come to bed at like 4 a.m. after a long stream, <laughs> she'd be she'd just kind of turn over and be like, "So was it worth it?" And I was like, "I think I don't know yet." <laughs> and after those intense two months of that, I was I leaned back over to her like the last time she asked me, I was like, "No, it wasn't worth it." No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, I think you and I might have similar mentalities on this too. Like we, we like to be the best that we can be in whatever we try. Mm -hmm. So I went after all of those concepts, trying to find a little loophole in the Twitch universe that I might succeed in. And none of them, if, if I was looking at it from a monetary or viewership standpoint, no, no avenue I tried attained any of that, but what it did obtain was an amazing community. So that to me is, is priceless. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I will forever cherish that. But I think I had to just take it as a life lesson for myself. Like if I tried as hard as I did and it didn't pop off in that way, then I got to just walk away at some point. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of where I was at, but I I can look back and say, I honestly did the best I could. (laughs) I think I think so too. (laughs) It's good stuff. And also like during your production streams, you did a lot of, you took everybody's suggestions in chat and you even, I remember you saying that whenever you start stream, you walk into your home studio, you, you leave your ego outside of the door. And I think that's hard to do for a lot of people. And it's really, it's really nice that you were able to do that and that you're so helpful to everybody you for one like take suggestions of people that people give without any judgment and you also just give so much people ask questions about mixing myself included and you just you just tell people you just but people usually are like well no these are trade secrets like they don't want anybody to to know how to do things but 
but you're so open about it. <laughs> Is this something that like you've always done or have you ever considered maybe that you're oversharing or anything? Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I would say part of that is, at least in the musician space of Twitch, um, people are just genuinely nice. Like it's kind of like a collective energy of everybody there. They're like down to help. So, um, so many people were so willing to help me get started on Twitch and come into my streams and be a viewer or like teach me about how a bit works or teach me how to get my settings right. And coming from like an advertising background or an agency background, like all of those people I would have had to hire as paid consultants. And there wasn't one person on Twitch who ever asked me for money. Like the whole moderator situation, like those people literally dedicate hours of their life just to helping your stream for nothing, just for the, the friendship and camaraderie of that. And that was so inspiring to me. So, so on your point, like, me sharing trade secrets or mixing tips or um, just experiences I've had in the music industry, like it was still a fraction of what everybody else was doing for me. So I just feel like it was the small part I could do because everyone was so helpful mm -hmm. in return or first. <laughs> yeah. Um, my mixing, I would say a lot of what I've learned is uh, came from you <laughs> and your mixing streams. Oh. <laughs> I really feel Appreciate like... It. Like my first song that I put out was a year ish ago, and that compared to the song that came out yesterday, I think there's already a you know there's a bit of an improvement in there. <laughs> Huge really improvement. Yeah, thanks. I was just talking to you before this podcast started. Uh, so anybody who's listening, Mirabelle just came out with a new single, and I just naturally listened to it this morning. Uh, and the first thing I noticed about it right off the bat was where your vocal was sitting in the mix. Um, and I know stylistically in folk music, like typically the vocal can kind of be more buried by the instruments, uh, as a stylistic choice, but you had it set to where the guitar was very crisp, full, but your voice was soaring over it in a way to where, you know, it's Mirabelle, you know, you're singing, but it wasn't aggressive or abrasive. It worked with that song. So it clicked in my head. At, I was about 30 seconds in. I was like, I bet you she mixed this because <laughs> it just, it sounded polished, but like still felt like you, like mm -hmm. some of your past work, but just really improved version of that. Um, cool. So it was really refreshing to hear. Um, and that also, I mean, I might've been a small part of that, but just anybody you're listening to becomes a part of your inspiration. Uh, so mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why music is so fun. Like, even when you when you hear a new song from like Kina Granis, for instance, and you're like, "Dang, I like the way that mix sits," and then you listen to it with a mixing standpoint, like you might apply that to this new song. So there's so many um, people who had a hand in like in your your art, but ultimately it's still yours. That definitely, I'm pr that's actually happened. Um, me listening to <laughs> Kina's songs, <laughs> listening to the mix. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of funny. Like I I was driving some people and um, I had Kina's song come on in my playlist and they were like, mm -hmm. is this you? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> but what an honor that is. That's awesome. But yeah. Yeah. You guys have similar styles, but I still think you have a very unique voice that's only true to you. 
it's cool that we can honor our our influences but still be our own artists at the end of the day yeah yeah and i i low-key um because school was online the whole past year um in my Mm -hmm. last year of my degree and so for ensembles like you cannot play with other people through zoom so (laughs) like um shout out to the all the conductors and the teachers who tried to adapt to this online platform for learning but ensemble work just doesn't it just doesn't work and so what we did was uh they played the piece they played a recording of the piece they had us we were all muted and we were to just play along with the music and then like play our own parts but uh low-key i was watching you mix instead of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, yeah i just had like you were doing your discord mixing streams and i was learning so much more about mixing than than just playing a piece that we weren't even going to perform or anything <laughs> sure yeah. yeah i found that too for myself when um especially during that time when i was like middle of pandemic i would put on that app master class and mm-hmm. there's some mixing teachers in there and I would just replay the same episodes over and over in the background and sometimes I wouldn't retain anything because I was like into my emails or something Mm. but I figure even if it's passively there in the background I'm going to pick up one little nugget where I go oh yeah I need to remember that or I'll like write down the timestamp and say I want to revisit that when I when I start my next mix Mm -hmm. so just like having something there occupying the background of your brain is really helpful yeah do you use masterclass for anything else it's been a minute since I, I saw there's like a new class that came out, um, for drums recently that I kind of want to check out. Um, but I, I love the Hans Zimmer one. That one is sweet. Hmm. Definitely give that a, a watch just as like a, someone who's interested in that sort of thing. But I think it's cool. I think it's cool to see those extreme talents in high def quality with a structured lesson plan. Like you can get that information from other people, but I really love high quality content. I'm a sucker for it. Like beautiful cameras and like really thought about entrance screens and exit streams. And so I just like consuming it in that way because it's very short. But outside of music, they have great CEOs like uh, Bob Iger from uh, like Disney company. Like it's really interesting to hear about his day and how he wakes up and balances life and family with managing one of the world's largest companies. So there's so much to consume there that I haven't even explored yet. That's awesome. Maybe I'll give it a try some someday. <laughs> or just have a friend who can give you a login. T- <laughs> <laughs> uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you it. I don't mind. Actually. <laughs> I mean, why not? So you mentioned being an introvert earlier. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been asking everybody about their introversion and extroversion. Um, but like, you just, you don't seem to be introverted. <laughs> and I mean, I've never actually met you in person, but I only, I have met you through Twitch, but like on your streams, you are just, you're so, <laughs> you just, you've got such a ball of energy <laughs> and yeah, you're just so extroverted on stream that I can't imagine I can't imagine, <laughs> but like Carissa is extroverted, right? Do you guys very much so? Does that help balance when you are out in social situations? Definitely. I think the best way to describe my relationship to 
introversion and extroversion is think about it like a like a meter like almost like a gas tank let's picture it like a gas tank where there's empty and full and it's top to bottom and my tank can be full with reading good books or listening to my favorite music or having time to rest and relax with my family those are typically the, or especially being in nature i love being in nature that really fills me up to um just of energy and when i get around people my tank lowers pretty dramatically and quickly um but if i come into my social scenarios and my tank is full then i can be very extroverted because i know there is a start time and an end time especially on stream like i can mentally prepare to come into that and be that type of way um, I enjoy being that way as well, but I can only do it if my tank is full because of the other things I'm doing in my life. My wife, Carissa, is the opposite. Her tank gets filled by interacting with other people. So she will literally be on empty and she can go out and talk to people and her tank starts to fill up. Or she'll go to a family party with cousins, aunts and uncles, and her tank is almost full or she'll hop on a Zoom meeting with her brothers, and then she's all the way at the full mark. Um, and that's just how her body, you know, operates. And mine is different. But um, I think with stream, I'm able to be extroverted because I enjoy stream. I really I enjoy it, and I'm passionate about that. But a part of that was me doing the work ahead before stream to be in a positive mind space, so I could come in and attack it in that way. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Does, do you ever like, if Carissa needs the energy and, but you are so drained, <laughs> like what happens then? <laughs> so this is part of the joys of the relationship. The, and a lot of the big ups and downs usually happen when we're both on empty. Hmm. So those are the moments when we argue more or we're in a rut or whatever it may be. Uh, and typically it's because we're either really busy and we have no time to fill up the tank in a way. Um, but typically, uh, we are in an arrangement to where if I see her tank start to empty, then I'll go and do my stuff to help fill my tank up so I can help bring her up. Hmm. And then she'll do that with me too. Like she knows if I'm off or if I'm empty, um, she'll usually ask me like, Hey, are you okay? I noticed today, like you're really lethargic or you seem really sad or you're, I don't know, are you depressed right now? Like what's going on? And usually my reply always to that is I am just on empty. Like I have nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired from social interactions and I haven't been able to get in nature or do other things. So um, that's where I'm at right now. And she's like, all right. And then she helps bring me up um, or whatever it might be, or like helps enable me to do the things like she'll say, Mike, you know what? I'm going to take Zai. You go to the beach and just sit in the sand and feel the water in the sand and just look at the sky and be with nature for a little bit. And I'll appreciate that and I'll go and I'll do it. And then suddenly my tank is filling up. So that's one of the beautiful parts of being in a relationship is being able to communicate that and help each other out when we're both uh, feeling very depleted. Nice. That's good teamwork. <laughs> Definitely. Do you think that, um, cause you guys toured a lot. Did you guys do a lot of meet and greets and stuff? Did that affect Always that? Always do meet and greets. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So that one was a big one for me. So tour in general, I get drained really, really fast because outside of the meet and greets, I've always enjoyed meet and greets because they're generally pretty small and I know what to expect. Um, and then same with stage time. Like we write our sets ahead of time with the ability to switch out a few songs here and there. I know exactly what it's going to be. Um, and I can mentally prepare for that. But what I can't prepare for is the time on the road with a group of people, AKA the crew. So they could be the best people in the world, which usually I love them dearly who we bring out, but I get so drained because I'm so used to having time to be introverted by myself and fill up my tank. But on tour, I'm always around people. Right. So my tank goes empty usually around two weeks in, and then I have to find something to, to help. Mm -hmm. So past vices have been, I was like really into basketball for a little while. Um, but I like would find basketball gyms in every tour and just go take my basketball by myself and play basketball. That helped. Um, one time on a European tour, we were in a tour bus with another act and I made it something to like jog around Europe. So I would catch a cab by myself and go into all of these unique landmarks that um, I paid a guy to like set my itinerary ahead of time. Um, and I explored every city by myself and that filled up my tank while on the roll on the road. But I just had to get creative to help combat the, the issues of introvertism in an extroverted scenario like tour. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. That's really fun. <laughs> I love exploring new cities just kind of by myself and walking around taking photos. <laughs> yeah. It's cool and it's freeing, right? Like having oh. no plan and just like eating when you want to eat or walking through that door because you wanted to or exactly. taking a photo of that and spending 20 minutes on it. Like, Yeah. You fun. don't have to worry about other people waiting for you or mm -hmm, feeling rushed mm -hmm. to do anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What, what would you say you are? I, I don't know. Oh, really? Is it not yeah. that obvious? I feel like for some people it's very obvious, uh, but I am I'm very introverted. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel in certain circumstances, though, I can be a little more extroverted. And, you know, if I, if I have to, if I need to be, then I'll try to talk to more people. And, you know, especially at, especially at certain, certain events. I will go talk to people like last month I went to the Vancouver International Film Festival for this conference and nice. so there's a lot of people in the industry there and a lot of other you know local artists and it was it's a lot of talking <laughs> it was a weekend event and I really wanted to get to know people and you know make connections and so so I think in that case I put on my extroverted hat and tried to, you know, tried to make conversation. But after that, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so done. I don't need to speak with anybody ever again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I imagine you were totally drained after that weekend. Yeah. Just like after At one night. Yeah. After one night, I was back in like the hotel room and I just sat there doing absolutely nothing for an hour. <laughs> Yeah. Like had my phone in hand with like Instagram open, but I wasn't even looking at it or anything. <laughs> That's totally me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes like you went into that weekend knowing what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So you could at least men mentally prep. And then you had the why of like, 
you took the time and money to travel and buy the tickets and go. So, and you knew what it was going to be for you internally. It was going to help you. So those were the little things that I'm sure helped push you through in those moments where you're like, mm. damn, do I really got to go up and talk to that person? Like, how do I start this? This is so uncomfortable. Exactly. And you just like want to crawl out of your skin. Yep. <laughs> exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. I have a story like that actually. Um, and Carissa had to step up because I didn't prep mm. and I didn't know what it was going to be like. Um, and like, this is only for emergencies, but in a situation where I know I have to be extroverted, but I didn't do any mental prep or my tank is already pretty low from a really busy day. Mm-hmm. Happened a lot, like with the label, uh, just from like press and all that stuff. Um, I'll like just have a couple shots of alcohol. Uh, <laughs> definitely not like my favorite thing to do. Cause at some point you lose your inhibitions and your ability mm-hmm. to speak clearly. So, but it is, it is an option if I absolutely have to do that. And we got booked to be the social media correspondents on a red carpet. It was for the American music awards. And I didn't even know what that meant. Like I saw it in my itinerary and I was like, sure, we'll just show up. And we spent the day doing interviews and like got all dressed up, stylist, hair, makeup, the whole thing. And then we make it to the carpet. I'm pretty lax on energy by this point. And we were, I think we were like a rep for a, for a big press outlet. So, but yeah, basically like we were their correspondents on the carpet. So our job was to go and, um, make, pictures and vines and Instagram stories about being on this carpet and try to talk to as many artists as we could. And we get out there and I'm like, Carissa, we're like on the carpet. She's like, yeah, this was on the schedule. I'm like, no, no, I didn't think we were going to be on the carpet. I thought we we're going to be like <laughs> behind the, the, like the bar mm-hmm. with the paparazzi. And she's like, no, 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 we're on the carpet. I'm like, so what do we do? And she's like, Oh, we just have to go up and talk to artists. And I was like, no, I can't do this. I I literally cannot do this. She was like, Michael, look at me in the eye. You have to do this. And I'm going to take you through it. What do you need right now? I was like, I don't know. I, I can't do this. She's like, just lean on me. You can do this. And then I turned back to our manager and he had like a, like an airplane bottle of like a whiskey or something. And he's like, Mike, just take this. It'll at least take the first edge off and then follow your wife. She'll take you the rest of the way. So I took a little shot and I was like, okay, okay. That feels better, I guess. All right, let's do this thing. And she grabbed my hand, pulled me out. And within like 30 minutes, we were just walking over to these artists who have no idea who we are with the phone and saying, Hey, we're the correspondent social media for the thing. How are you feeling about tonight? And this is like Ed Sheeran. Jennifer Lopez, Rune 5, like freaking massive artist. And here I am, just this guy holding a phone, like not a legit outlet and just have to pretend I am legit. Uh And we did it and we got through it. And it was an introvert's worst nightmare, but also the most exhilarating experience. So what I learned from that is in scary experiences, especially ones that take you out of or take me out of my comfort zone, being surrounded by extroverts who care about you and who mm-hmm. are willing to take you through that and shelter you through that are crucial to experiencing some of the biggest joys in life that 
might keep introverts typically out of those scenarios. Yeah. Go Carissa. (laughs) She saved me in that moment. That was awesome. Yeah. I would probably, I, yeah, (laughs) I don't know what I would do. Hide. (laughs) I would pretend I got sick and was just in the bathroom the whole time. (laughs) It's probably what I would have done if I was by myself. Yeah. Gotta go. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. It's easy to... It's easy to just tell other people to go do the thing and, you know, like, I think my close friends are all introverts as well. And so there are things that we would like to do or questions we want to ask, but we're all a little too scared to do it. But if we're together, it's kind of like, a th- it's the thing now that <laughs> my friend, I don't really have an example, a specific example, but it'll be. Like they really want to ask this question or they really want this thing from this person and but they're too scared to ask for it. And I'll just be there like, just do it. Just go ask. Go say hi. And obviously that's easier said than done. But that little push, I think, has helped (laughs) helped both of us step out of our comfort zone. Huge. Who you surround yourself with, especially if you trust them and when you know each other on a level to where you can understand that that person is like that. Um, yeah, it's so, so, uh, necessary in this life to have great experiences. Yeah, definitely. All right. This is an original. First of all, Mirabelle, you and I both love puns, right? I think they're life's greatest joke. (laughs) And it has become my mission to teach my three-year-old daughter how to, integrate puns into her daily life and every night before she goes to bed she says daddy can you tell me a joke literally every night so I tell her a joke and then I ask her to tell me a joke and she makes up something really silly and none of them usually make sense but last night she wrote an original pun joke and it was epic and I turned to Chris and was like she just did that she said daddy what do you call uh an apple and a pool what do you call an apple in a pool i was like what she said apple (laughs) i was like dang how did you come up with that you're a genius oh my gosh so it's such a good joke for being original and she's just turned three yeah i was impressed wow i think my life legacy yeah 10 out of 10 (laughs) It's my greatest achievement in life right there. (laughs) Wow. I cannot believe that you are teaching Zyla how to make puns. Worth it. Worth it. Oh my gosh. She's adorable. So thanks so much for coming on this podcast and saying yes to it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So where can everybody find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at us the duo. That's U S T H E D U O on all socials. Uh, that's typically where I'm the most active. So we'd love to connect to anybody who's willing to through those socials. Cool. Thank you. I'll link everything down in wherever descriptions. <laughs> but yeah. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Yeah.